0: You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. welcome to the main course i'm barbara castiglia of modern restaurant management and today we're going to talk about franchising one of our big topics that we talk about here Um, but we're going to put a different spin on it and talk about careers in restaurant franchising and um you know it's been a hot topic um people you know, the pandemic didn't make people shy away from wanting to own and operate a restaurant and seeing it as a viable business for themselves. Um, so with me today is Tarji Carter, who is the owner and founder of The Franchise Player. And we're going to talk about what that is. And she has a long career in restaurant franchising and she can fill us in and all the, the ins and outs and things and what she's done and what she's learned. So welcome, Tarji. Um, so tell me a little bit about, how you got interested in restaurant franchising and what your career has been. So my
1: entry into the franchising space was almost a fluke. I uh, worked in the hotel industry for many years and happened to uh, work at a hotel where the president of Cinnabon was, uh, would stay when he came to town. He had just um, taken on this new role and I happened to meet him and uh Focus, Focus Brands was one of my accounts, and so uh, the long and short of it is that um, we we met, and I met uh, some of his team, and uh, I was then hired as the franchise sales manager for Carvel Ice Cream, and within eight months, I was promoted to director of Cinnabon and Carvel um, for the entire country. So it was a it was a huge uh, uh, step in the right direction, a great uh, a great. Uh, promotion uh, that I wasn't expecting, but that's really when I learned, um, you know, I cut my teeth on franchising.
0: So what was it about interacting with all of these people that said to you, you know, this this is going to be an interesting career path for me um, and kind of flipping that switch?
1: It was a challenge. Um, I knew nothing about franchising. I had been in the hotel industry for quite some time and was ready to take on something new, something exciting, um, it was a little scary. So that's how I knew it was the right thing for me to do. And um, I, just, I, I just went in and I was a sponge. I learned everything that I could from every experience. And so I met some good people along the way. And, uh, and, and, and just being uh, at Focus Brands, um, there, were, there were a team of folks there who were very welcoming and, uh, and helpful in, in my ramp up period. So that was, that was a great way to get started.
0: So part of what you're doing now with the fr- franchise player is, you know, appealing to people like yourself who you're, as you said, you didn't know anything about franchising. You didn't know what it was, what kind of opportunities that it could provide. Um, so um, tell me about what the franchise player is, you know, kind of what your mission is um, and why it's kind of so important to you right now to do this.
1: So to, to piggyback on what you said a little, um, a minute ago, um, I was was a novice when it came to franchising. So I would go to McDonald's with my dad as a kid and we would, I would get my Happy Meal and he would, you know, drink his coffee and we would have a moment, you know, almost, you know, a couple of times a month, um, if not every week. And I never knew that franchising was an option Uh, in terms of a career path or creating generational wealth. My dad was a very smart man, and I would imagine that had he known about it, he would have shared that with me, and he never mentioned it. So fast forward to my time at Focus Brands, when I started in the franchising space, I realized very quickly um, that there weren't a lot of people that looked like me and my family who were in positions of ownership. And so immediately I thought, what can I do to get the information into the hands of those who may not already have it? And so um, I spent 15 years selling franchises for some of the world's most delicious brands and realized that I need to do more. I'm, 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 I'm more useful outside of a specific brand where I can bring this information to the masses. And so I created the franchise player Um, to provide education, opportunities, and resources about franchising to the Black community. Um, I've learned that uh, franchising and and, and creating generational wealth um, is is probably one of the fastest ways to get into business for yourself and not necessarily by yourself. And so I want to share that information with um, underserved communities um, that could definitely use the information and provide additional resources to help put them in positions of ownership. So how are you going about and reaching those communities? Well, I start with my own family and my own friend group. Uh, That's how it really started. And then I I go around the country speaking at different events. And so what I've learned is that within the franchising space, a lot of brands, a lot of sales managers, they tend to go to the same shows all the time and they see the same people. And so um, I'm not afraid to get out into a community in front of an audience that doesn't look like me, that doesn't talk like me. Um, and, and, And to just have a presence, right? You know, I think that's how we form bridges is by just being present. And so I get invited into a lot of rooms simply because i have a presence so i might speak at an event um i spoke at one event in dallas um, earlier this year and from that i was invited to speak at another event in houston uh several months later and it was just a matter of being in the room with folks who really had an interest in learning about franchising how to get into it and how to how to be successful at it and so every time i speak. I'm invited to do something else. And so um, the brands that I work with have the luxury of being able to be in the rooms with me because I'm always sharing about the brands that have partnered with the franchise player. Um, And so that's one of the benefits of of being uh, affiliated. And uh, and, and again, getting the message out to the masses um, in a way that is... um, it's, it's digestible, right? Because if you're not familiar with any topic, not just franchising, it can be, it can be intimidating. And so, um, I, I I deliver it, I believe in a way that makes it uh, relatable, easy to understand. And, um, and people ask really great questions. I just uh, spoke at a Juneteenth event not too long ago. And, um, and people were asking really great questions and follow up questions. And so there was a line for me you know, waiting for me after I left the stage because people were really so intrigued and wanted to know how to get how to get into it. And again, how to be successful and how to then bring in their families and their friends in as well.
0: Right. I mean, you mentioned, you know, creating generational wealth. And, you know, so much of what people strive to do is to, you know, create something that they can share with their family, work with their family, and also pass along um, to, you know, family members, to sons, daughters. Um, So what are they, what are they telling you that are their goals and why they're interested in franchising?
1: So it runs the gamut. There are some folks who are in corporate America, they just don't feel valued. They don't feel like they're being paid what they're truly worth, what they bring to the table. And so they're looking for a career change. Some are looking to add additional streams of income to you know, their, their nine to five. Others are looking to buy an investment for their children that are in high school and college. So it really runs the gamut in terms of why they want to get into it, but they've they've heard enough about it that they're interested and they want to learn more. But they also don't want to lose their shirt, um, just kind of taking a stab at it, right? And we I've seen that happen time and time again. Where um, you know, I talk to I have a lot of like athletes and uh, entertainers that I work with. Um, and, and they, they don't want to make a misstep, right? They want to make sure that they're preparing for life beyond the field, beyond the court, beyond the stage, right? And so um, I'm able to have those one-on-one conversations with them and really help to put them, um, you know, set some realistic expectations, right? Because you have to be involved. It is your business. Um, you can't just run some, uh, hire someone to run it and expect them to treat it the same way that you would. So, I'm having really honest conversations. Um, and I say, listen, if you were my relative, this is what I would tell you. Right. And so they really appreciate that. I think, um, you know, if I, I'm not afraid to say, hey, I, I don't know that, or that's a little bit beyond my scope, let me get you an answer. Let me put you in touch with someone who can probably answer that better for you. And uh, I, that
0: really helps to create a lot of trust
1: um, between, uh, you know, me and, and, and the folks that I work with.
0: So the franchise player is kind of for a wide cross-section of people. You know, you're saying you're working with athletes who may be a brand in and of themselves and connecting them with a brand that kind of fits, um, as well as people who are just kind of stepping their toes in the water in this and really, um, you know, want a lot of hand-holding.
1: Absolutely. So at the franchise player, we have different positions, we call them. Um, we have the starter, we have the all-star, the MVP, and then the coach. And so the starter is just that, someone who's just getting started. Um, the MVP is someone who's worked in operations and understands the business backwards and forwards. They've, they've handled uh, businesses at a multi-unit level. Then we have the all-star, which is someone who um, may own a concept and they want to convert it to a franchise and then the, the coach would be someone who's already in franchising, but they're looking to diversify and take advantage of some of the incentives that we're able to negotiate. So we work with brands who um, have made DEI a priority um, in their walk in the talk, you know, and by doing that, what they do is they offer discounts um, on the franchise fees um, and sometimes the royalties, and then offering some additional support that we're able to negotiate. On behalf of the franchise players that come through the program.
0: Why, I guess, you know, why are these brands doing this now? Um, Why wasn't it being done? You know, you you noticed it, you know, there weren't people who looked like you coming in the door as often. Um, So, you know, why is it now? Is it, is it that people like you have been, you know, saying, hey, you know, we need, we need this, we need this representation. And also the people who are buying this food are people who look like you. So they want to support themselves too. Yeah, I think,
1: unfortunately, a lot of what's prompted uh, a lot of the brands to really take a a hard look at this is um, some of the uh, rumblings of what happened in 2020. You know, the murder of George Floyd was huge, right? And so a lot of brands... uh, earmarked dollars towards um, Black incentives and and, and other uh, ways to support the Black community. And so I think it really shined a light on the fact that, to your point, um, a lot of the customers look like me, right? A lot of the folks that are at the store level look like me. A lot of the folks that are in accounting look like me. And so I think a lot of the brands just kind of had to sit with that for a minute and say, you know, what are we doing? Are we doing enough? And there are a lot of brands that have stepped up and said, listen, you know what? We've not done a good job and we want to do better. And so you have to start somewhere. Uh, But there are some brands that are still in denial. They think they're doing a great job or, you know, they they just are in denial about it. And so, um, you know, we want to work with the brands that understand, you know what? Even if we don't have a, a diversity program in place today, we want to do better, and we want to get started, and maybe you can help us. And so, I have those tough conversations as well. So, any brand that we partner with, they they um, you know they they sign a letter of, of understanding that says, you know, this is what we're going to offer, and then um, you know, and they just kind of put their hand on the bag that says, you know, we're going to do our best, and when we fall, hold us accountable. Um, but let's have those conversations, have those tough conversations, so that we can do better, and we can do better collectively.
0: So if people who are approaching you, um, it can, as you mentioned, the different levels. So it could be, say, I already own a restaurant or I'm operating a restaurant or I have an idea for a concept Um, that could be a franchise. Um, So someone like that can approach you and and be helped by the franchise player as well as somebody who who wants to buy into a system.
1: Absolutely. So someone who owns the concept already, they would be considered an all star. And so we would we have the systems in the in the team in place that can help them um, create their franchise disclosure document, create their their manuals, operations manuals their training manuals their franchise manuals. Um, And so, uh, of course, I would offer and my team would offer the consulting piece uh, around that to help them get into business, right? Because there's a lot of consulting that takes place before you get your disclosure document, a lot of questions, a lot of um, answers that you might not have just yet. And so we, we dig pretty deep on um, into uh, what the business truly has, what it doesn't have just yet and figure out where the, uh, where the holes are. Um, and then, like I said, anyone who's interested in franchising in general, Um, We, you know, again, I've been selling franchises and working in the franchise sales and development space for over 15 years. And so I've seen a lot. I've worked for over 10 brands, some of the world's most delicious brands. Uh, I mentioned Cinnabon and Carvel, but I've also sold for Dunkin' and Baskin, Wingstop, uh, Edible Arrangements, and Bojangles Chicken. So I've worked for some pretty big brands. And I know that, you know, a lot of the brands that I've worked for, they, 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 they um, they they get it right. You know, and some of them understand that um, you know we got to do better. Um, others already have uh, minority incentives in place, um, and so uh, I'm still connected to a lot of a lot of the folks at these brands, and and sometimes they'll lean on me to say, you know, what you know, how how can we help you? You know, they, I get that question a lot as well. So it's it's a matter of give and take. You know, what I do doesn't just benefit the players, but it also um, serves as kind of a, a third party diversity program for brands that don't have the capacity or the bandwidth to create their own
0: kind of like a delivery service in a, in a way. Who eats? <laughs> Yes. Who eats a so, so when um, you know, when somebody goes to your site, what kind of resources are there available for them? Um, if they're just like looking around and, and, you know, what are you offering them in terms of educational resources?
1: Yeah, so we offer a six well we're going to be offering a six week course uh, that's rolling out this fall. Um, and it's basically six weeks to franchise ownership. So myself and my team of ex- industry expert friends um, will be teaching about all the different aspects of franchise ownership. So starting at the uh, due diligence and application phase, going through um, real estate, construction, design, training, uh, and then operations, you know, uh, all the way up to grand opening. And then what happens beyond that, right? So I also have um, a, a really great connection with a young woman who started a program that helps franchisees go from being owner-operators to owning an enterprise. So maybe they own one or two and they want to branch out and, and then uh, maybe either acquire some additional stores or develop additional stores and she helps to train beyond what the brand offers. So able to take that mindset from being uh, just kind of a single owner operator to then owning an enterprise. So we have a team of folks that offer um, assistance every step of the way throughout the process.
0: So you know that kind of reminded me about the role of the mentor um, and, you know, really working with people, you know, to invest in their success. Um, so, um, how important has the role of a mentor been in, in your life and in, in what you're doing now?
1: I say having a mentor, having multiple mentors is very important. Um, you know, no one knows everything. Right. And so, um, I have had, um, mentors along the way, um, they don't know that they've been mentors for me, but you know everyone's time is so limited. It's tough to get somebody to say, hey, yes, I'm gonna mentor you. So you have to really kind of uh, figure out how you can get from them what you need at the same time, um, offering something back to them in a way to say thank you. And so I think it's just been very important for me to have uh, mentors during every step of my learning process. And so in the franchising space, um I've connected with folks, like I said, industry experts in the different within the different disciplines to learn what I need to know as a franchise sales professional uh, to know enough to make me dangerous, right? <laughs> so that I can put folks in touch. And so I think for the past fifteen years, I've been sort of a a collector of people, if you will, and uh, some of the industry's best folks who are really working at um, a level of excellence that really helps a lot of these brands grow and become
0: um, the, the the large conglomerates that they are today. So mentorship is not necessarily a formal, you know, contra- contractual relationship as much as kind of being the sponge that you mentioned before and taking in with the people who are, are around you.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, time is limited. And so for someone, you know, if, you, if you're lucky enough to get someone to say, yes, I will mentor you, you can shadow me, you can do all these things. Um, Then great, but if you can't get that, I would say just be resourceful. Um, Listen to webinars, watch their social media. Um, There are so many ways that we can take in information and learn these days that you have to really be nimble enough to know how to, um, you know, to manage that process. And so, um, just making sure, I think, um, you know, having a mentor and then, um, you know, just learning everything that you can, but then also. Um, paying it forward, right? So if there's someone that takes an interest in what you do, um, you know, maybe you can offer some sort of support to them, and if you have the capacity to take them on as a mentee, um, you know, do that as well. Because I think, um, you know, karma, good karma is always something uh, that you want to have on
0: your side. So, what are some common is misconceptions and apprehensions that you hear about people who may be reluctant to try franchising?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So there are a lot of folks who don't understand, like, why would I pay someone a royalty to sell chicken or donuts or whatever it is? And um, you know, what you're buying into is the brand equity, right? Number one, you're also buying into a proven system Something that's been battle tested. And so I could easily go out and start Tarji's Donuts and I may get some customers. I may build a following. But if I build a Dunkin' Donuts, the brand equity holds so much weight that, um, you know, I'm probably going to get a lot more customers with a Dunkin' than I am with a Tarji's Donuts. And so when i when i explain it you know in in that way they they understand and so your you know the franchise fee is really your your ticket to entry and then the royalties are you know your 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 monthly fees your monthly rent that you pay to continue to be a part of that program and so it's just um getting over that hurdle i think is really big for some people um and, and again i'm i'm all for if someone has a concept that they want to start on their own you know by all means if you feel that like that's the best approach but I think franchising is really um, one of America's best kept secrets. And I think it's really a great way to get into business
0: and hit the ground running uh, without having a huge ramp up period. So, you know, for people who, you know, want to start a business and they're they're thinking like you, you know, do my own donuts and all of that, um, you know, how do you get to them to kind of flip that switch and say... Um, you know, you're, you're not in it on your own. You know, it's not going to just be all on you and all of the payroll and all of these things that you're going to have to handle, you know, and all the hours and all of that, that if you're within the system, you get another, other people, multiple people, marketing help, all of those kind of resources that are, you know, going to be working with you and you are on a better, better footing uh, in the long run, I just had this
1: conversation two days ago with a young woman who bought into a chicken franchise, and um, the company just didn't offer her the support that she needed to be successful. And so she was able to end her agreement with them and said, "Well, listen, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm going to." Uh, she only had one unit, and she said, "I'm just going to start my own franchise." And I said, that that sounds very, um, very interesting, you know, and I said, I, I commend you for wanting to do that, but let me tell you why you might want to consider buying into an existing franchise concept. And so I explained what you just shared about the amount of support that she would receive if she were with a brand that truly had um had a system in place that could support franchisees the way that she needed the support with the other concept and at the end of the conversation um, I said to her I'm not saying this to dissuade you but I just want you to understand the level of support that you receive not just from training perspective but construction design real estate marketing market planning you know the list goes on and on. And when you have a problem or an issue, you make a phone call, there's someone at the other end that can help you. And um, and she said, well, you know, you've really given me a lot to think about. Um, I'm still interested in doing my own concept, but I'm not going to negate what you've just shared and I'm not going to make any decisions today. So it goes back to having those realistic conversations and setting realistic expectations And I said, you know, she was going to name the chicken concept after herself. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like what? This is going to be a huge uphill battle for her. Um, And if she's up for the challenge, then great. But, um, you know, I just I wanted to give her some realistic uh, information that she can use. And I think I think she's considering um, maybe going in a different direction.
0: Well, I think we've both seen, you know, people who come into this, and they have a concept and they think, okay, you know, franchise. But before the concept is even tried and true, you know, like they haven't really worked out all of those kinks and everything to know that it's something that is franchisable. And they're they're more concerned with selling the franchise than, than putting that system in place. And those are the ones, you know, when we go to these shows, we see people you know oh it's the new thing it's this you know the new trend or whatever and you know it it's more about selling what the what the concept is than whether or not it's going to work and and it's kind of a shame you know talking about the support and that you know she should see that the thing she was complaining about not getting the support from the one franchise is the thing that she has to, would have to create herself um, because you need to put that system in place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I explained that to her and I, again, I think she, I think she gets it. I think she's just, you know, I think the ego has to move out of the way a little bit. Right. And so there are a lot of newer concepts where, you know, the the term franchising is really catchy right now. It's trendy. And so to your point, again, um, there are some brands out there that are started in the, in the, the founders uh you know they're they're in it kind of for the short game right the collection of the franchise fees and to say i own a franchise um the long game is really you know the royalties right you know throughout the length of the the agreement that you collect from your franchisee provided they're successful and so i think the most important thing is to make sure that you have systems in place to support the success of your franchisees and uh and you can't really lose sight of that now now now, I will also say every brand had to start somewhere. So I have worked for some brands that said, listen, when we were first starting, we were looking for anyone with a checkbook and a pulse, right? And so, you know, we've seen that, um, but eventually they they worked out the kinks and got to where, you know, they were able to scale and replicate, right? And so that's that's the big, that's the long game. So I think, you know, the the support is really what people are buying into, you know, the franchise disclosure document outlines, clearly outlines the support that the franchisee is obligated to provide to the franchisee. And and, 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 and they may offer a little bit more than that, but ultimately it is the business of the franchisee. They are the owner, they're the one that has to make sure that it's successful at the end of the day.
0: So when you meet a person, how do you kind of Pair them with what franchise might be a good fit for them.
1: So we have a very deep conversation about um, you know who they are, what makes them tick, um, you know what are they passionate about, what 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 are the things that they tend to shy away from. So I, I like to dig deep and really get to know everyone that I work with, and then we go through a list of of options that that could be a good fit, and then. I see how they respond. Right. You know, if it's pet services, if it's food, if it's senior care, um, you know, the list goes on and on. There's you know, hundreds of different industries and thousands of different concepts. So really honing in on who they are as an individual and what their ultimate goals are. Right. Are they looking to stay on their nine to five for another 10 years? Are they looking for something that's absentee owner or semi absentee? So digging deep, really trying to understand what they're looking for and then um, going through those lists you know the list of, of viable options and figuring out you know then we narrow it down to the top three and then we'll ultimately get to the one so it's a lot of conversations a lot of um, zoom calls and um, and really just uh, you know, a gathering of data and so once we do that we can really help folks and then going to the brands of choice and and, and seeing if they're they're going to uh come on as a, as a partner with us uh, and offer some sort of an incentive. So um, just pairing them with brands that offer that type of support. And then also, um, you know, working with brands, like I said earlier, that are really committed to uh, the DEI piece.
0: So how important is the financial aspect? Um, and another thing that's you know, both of us know is not talk to anybody about how to really be conscious of your financial future, your your financial present, you know, we we don't really teach that enough to kids um, about the importance of all those things. Um, so, you know, how how do you get someone in the in the really good financial shape so that they can embark upon a franchise?
1: I, I get inquiries from folks that you know just with all different backgrounds, right? Some folks are very green; they don't have any money, but they they it's a goal, right? It's a, it's a dream. It's, it's they have hope that one day they will be a franchisee. So that's a different conversation than someone than someone that says I have about $250,000 and I, I need to do something with it. Right. So there's, there's two different conversations that are taking place. Um, the first, you know, I would, I would talk about, you know, what most brands are looking for from a liquid asset and net worth perspective credit score, things of that nature, and find out where they are and say, okay, well, you're not here today, but here are some things that you could probably do to prepare for ownership um, down the line, whether it's going to be six months, a year, three years, what have you. Um, With with someone who already has the funds and maybe they have some cash in the bank but they don't have all the money that they need to get started. um, I suggest you know talking to their sphere of influence. Who are your friends? Who are your, your, your family members that you trust? Who are financially and fiscally responsible? And start having conversations with them. Listen, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, purchasing a franchise or buying a territory. And I wanted to come to you because I respect what you do. I think you're very responsible. Um, and I was wondering if you would be interested in learning about something that I'm interested in investing in, right? So start having those conversations with the people that you trust. And then, of course, also being someone who's trustworthy, right? Because it goes both ways. So um, I would say that. And then I also, you know, have relationships at the Franchise Play. We have relationships with lenders, you know, whether it's private equity, um, you know, know, traditional banking. uh, We have, again, back to the investors of, you know, the the, the athletes and the, the, the entertainers, You know, they're looking to partner as well. So depending on the person's background, we can uh, make introductions and let them have a conversation and see if there's anything there. Um, We don't broker the relationship. We just put folks in touch and see if there's anything that can come of it. So different conversations based on um, everyone's background.
0: What would you say are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way, um, you know, about franchising? Um, about operating a restaurant, and and um, you know, and things that you know, maybe the pandemic and what how that kind of has changed the restaurant landscape. Um, you know, so what are some things you've personally learned along the way?
1: Gosh, the pandemic, I think taught taught me a lot. But what I learned about the fr- the restaurant space, the franchising space, um, is you know, the brands that had uh, that were nimble were able to survive. Right. So if you had a drive through. Um, uh, an app some sort of digital marketing where folks could communicate with you uh curbside delivery um, and then third party delivery right so if you have brands that had you know at least one of the four you know they were doing well one brand that i truly um i i, I just just believe that they did such a great thing during the pandemic um, is they were able they were they were able to be so nimble. Um, is edible arrangements. So during the height of the pandemic, you know no one's buying a, a, a pineapple bouquet, right? but they had inventory. And so what they started doing because no one was going to the grocery store, they started selling whole produce, right? So what a way to be nimble and innovative and to think about the inventory, right? So now we're talking about supply chain, waste, And then also being able to offer your franchisees a way to continue to generate revenue. And um, I I highly commend them for for making a decision, right? Um, Having the leadership in place that could really um, look at the situation and, and truly turn it around. And by doing so, they were deemed an essential business by the government. And so they made some really good decisions during that time that really helped, um, their franchisees to stay afloat and to continue to be successful. And I think, you know, don't quote me, but that was probably one of the best years their franchisees had seen in a long time.
0: If we're sitting down five, 10 years from now, what do you hope the franchise player, what impact do you think it would have, um, you know, particularly in, um, you know, in the landscape of franchise ownership? Yeah, I,
1: my goal is to, you um, to reach as many people as possible, right? To, I don't never, I don't, I don't put a number on it in terms of like, you know, we have a hundred black owned franchises um, because I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know that that's doable, right? But, but, but I know that in five to 10 years from now, uh, the franchise player will have helped multitudes of people to learn about the franchising industry, to understand what it is and what it isn't. And to put people together so that they can find the, the resources, the access to capital that they need in order to get started and to um, get started on a solid foundation.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was great. Thank you for having me. Thank you.